All right, today we're gonna do another Rags the Riches Secrets. Today I'm gonna take and break down, this one is, I call this presentation, the 39 secret steps of high performance to close with a 95% confidence rate. So if you're looking for a method or a way or a system that will allow you to consistently close sales, like bam, close, close, close like, like kind of like clockwork, just being able to close them, like very predictable outcome. What I'm gonna break down for you is those 39 secrets. This is gonna be part one of three. There's, there's enough content in here that I'm gonna take and I'm gonna break it down so that you can consume this thing in sections, so that you can consume it, learn, listen, apply it, and start immediately increasing the amount of sales that you personally make. So let's take and let's do it down. Like you might be wondering why, why would you be interested in this? When I, when I first started out selling solar, I actually, I knocked on the doors of an entire city. And out of an entire city, I made like maybe three or four sales. It was, it was like the closing ratio was so bad that I couldn't figure out how to help people to be able to say yes. And so I went on this journey of like, it took me, like I just about went flat out broke because it got so painful to the point where I actually started getting coaches and mentors. And then I started reading books, studying books. I spent a lot of time trying to figure out these nuggets. And once I finally nailed it, all of a sudden my closing ratio was as high or higher than anybody that I actually know. In fact, I was talking to uh, my, one of my finance partners and he goes, Mike, he goes, you sell more solar, more products than like anybody we know except, except for these guys that have teams where they like literally send out door knockers and canvassers. They just set appointment, 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 appointment. So that the one guy, all he does is go out and close. That doesn't mean that he had a higher closing ratio than me. What it meant is, is he had a team that set appointments so that he actually spent more time closing than he spent actually trying to hustle and do it all. Now, I did, I did it all. Um, I, I, I canvassed, I set my own appointments, and then I closed them. But here's the thing. This is what I discovered. I did not have to set 10,000 appointments and spend a ton of time knocking every single door to be able to get sales. I literally was able to make sure that the time that I spent with Mr. Prospect was more efficient so that I walked out of almost every single situation with a sell, which meant I was not peddling or spending as much time as these guys that had like maybe they had a 50% close ratio, but they had appointment after appointment after appointment, okay? Like, this is what I'm talking about. Imagine, imagine if you could take what I did and what I'm going to share with you right now on how to consistently close, and you marry that up with a strategy where people set your appointments, and then your job is to show up and to close it. See what I'm talking about? This took me a lot of time to figure it out. And once I figured it out, all of a sudden I was able to make the money flow. Cash started flowing, life got really good. And so rather than you actually having to spend a whole lot of time, a couple years trying to discover this, I'm gonna take it, I'll break it down. I'm gonna give you the gold bricks, the gold nuggets, the big ahas that will change it. Instead of telling you to go read, like, like I read so many sales books. 
Instead of telling you to go read sales book after sales book after sales book, I'm just going to give you the gold nuggets so that you can just ka-ching, 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 cash, 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 cash in. Got it? So that's what we're going to do. So the very first thing, okay, you, I, this is how I applied it to solar, but it doesn't, this, these strategies, <coughs> excuse me, they're applicable to any selling situation. Whether you're selling solar, whether you're selling pest control, whether you're selling, I have my Amazon stores where I help people make passive income. It doesn't matter. These fundamental principles are fundamental and they're required to be able to help you close deals. Okay. So number one, I put, so what we're going to do is we're going to cover steps one through 10 today. And then tomorrow we're going to cover steps the next set of steps I've got tomorrow, it's going to cover 18 steps. And then the third or part three is going to cover another 10 steps. So today we're going to go through and we're going to address the first 11 steps. And I'll help you understand it so you can see it. First off, very first step in here, only call on qualified customers. Only call. It sounds like it sounds like this should make sense, but you've got to find a way to be able to identify people who are qualified to be able to buy your product. Now, if like in, in, a, in a selling solar scenario, like when you look for somebody that's qualified, I'm looking for somebody who actually is a homeowner, okay? Somebody that I believe because they have a home or they're in a nice neighborhood and they have a home, that there's a high probability that this individual could be qualified. Now, if you're doing phone sales or you're doing sales of another nature, you're going to go through a set of scripts, in essence, to help you discover if the person is actually a qualified buyer. But whatever it is, you have got to find a way to discover really quickly if you're talking with a qualified buyer so that you do not waste an enormous amount of time talking to people who can't buy. Okay, so there's number one. Whenever I engage, so here's step number two. Whenever I engage with a customer, I always call them by name. I always call them by name. So when, when I'm out working or prospecting or canvassing doors or whatever it is, like I will do a little due diligence in advance and discover what is this person's name so that I can refer to them as name. And when I go to this, so just some information about the Mr. Prospect before you talk to Mr. Prospect. It helps. It goes, most people won't even take the time to discover what that individual's name is. And it gives you an edge. You want an edge. We're looking for edges. We're looking for reasons that this person would be interested in talking to you. So I am, this, this, this section right here, what we're doing today is basically it's setting the appointment so that this is a setting type scenario. And then tomorrow I'll do a presentation on more of a closing. But you've got to be able to get the right people in front of you so that you have a chance to, to close efficiently. Does that make sense? Okay, so know the customer by name. That's step number two. Number three, whenever you present yourself, don't present yourself, well, present yourself as a friend. Do not present yourself as Mr. Salesman. If somebody believes or smells or catches a hint or a whiff that you are there with the sole intentions of selling to them, they will clam up, shut the door. You will lose interest incredibly fast. Your job is not to present yourself as a salesman. You are there as a friend, as somebody that's a confidant, somebody that can come and connect with them. 
And so whenever I would go meet with somebody, I would say, hey, is so-and-so here? Or, hey, is your daddy here? Or, hey, is your mom? Like, now, I usually don't ask for the wife. Um, it depends on the cell, okay? Every cell is slightly different. I noticed that, like, in the solar space, that if I take and I ask for the wife, then the husband will then later cancel the appointment because that just seems to be the pattern. And so you discover the pattern. Like, depending on what you're selling, there's a different pattern, a different way to approach people. Like, here's what I know on, my, on the solar stuff, okay? 10% um, of the time, the wife is the, is the super decision maker. She's super dominant personality. And not even, actually, it's less than 10%. But when I take and I ask for the husband, it will torque her off and it will shut it down and she will lose all interest just because she feels like that I am not respecting her. Now, it's not true. Okay, I am just betting with the odds. Think of it like a casino. When you go to a casino or whatever, it's better to bet with the odds in your favor so that you increase the probability of success. So anyway, that's that's what I'm talking about. Okay, so make sure that you ask for the individual or you talk to the individual and um, don't present yourself as a sales rep. So step number four, you've got to find a way to get into rapport with the customer. And here's what you need to know. People buy from people that they like. People buy from people that they're in rapport with. You can't get into a rapport with that client. Then the probability that they would buy from you drops tremendously. Just simplicity, friends buy from friends. That's, that's it. Friends buy from friends and they buy from friends more consistently. So you got to get into rapport. Now you say, Mike, how, how would I go about getting into rapport with Mr. Prospect? It's, it's funny. It, when, when you watch people, engage they get into a state of what i would call it's almost like a dance it's almost like a dance you'll see when two people get into rapport and one person leans back in their chair the other person leans back in their chair when one person leans forward and crosses their folds their arms like this both of them seem to lean forward what it is is their bodies are mirroring matching now the shortcut to getting into rapport is to observe mr prospect how Mr. Prospect is carrying himself or herself, and then just mirror and match. And you, it will allow you to sync up with that individual and get into rapport quicker. And then once you're in rapport, where you're, it's like a dance where they move, you move. You do a thing, they do a thing. You're, you're into the state of rapport. When you're in rapport, that's when you know that you've started to connect with that actual individual. Very important. So rapport, uh, they, one of the ways they talk about it, or I, the way, way I just described it is called mirroring and matching. Mirror, just mirror and match. See what they do, match it. See what they do, match it. Eventually, you want to get to the point where you can start actually leading by doing something, and then Mr. Prospect will actually model what you're doing. Very significant. So uh, number five, this is align with the customer and then let them know that you're different. Somebody's going to say, yeah, but I've already heard about that because, and I don't like it because of this. And you're like, you know what? There is truth to that. People did not like that. That's why we did such and such different. And so you didn't, you didn't fight them, right? You didn't fight them. You aligned with them and said, yes, that's feedback or whatever that we've heard. That's why we do it. We started doing our process and our systems different because customers didn't like that. You just aligned with the customer. Like, 
already know in advance that a lot of people have preconceived notions about how things are or how things should work. And it's your job to align with the customer and then take them into a new new direction. Okay. So number, so we're on number six. Okay. Number six is um, use social proof and help pique the customer's curiosity. Like part of what I would do is in, in, in the solar space and just, just pause for a second because you can think of how you could apply it to your space. Here's the principle. Okay. So when I want to create social proof, I'm like, have you noticed how many homes here actually have solar on it? See, when I point that out, that is what creates the social proof. Like everybody else is doing it. Therefore, it must be a good thing. And shockingly, you will discover that people will will buy based on that. Like you hear people say, trying to keep up with the Joneses. Like there's truth in it. There was a solar city. They actually went and did a huge study trying to figure out what is the probably the biggest reason that somebody would buy a thing or do a thing or buy solar or whatnot. And basically it came back down to social proof. Like somebody else did it. Therefore, it, it, it's a shortcut in your head where you will outsource decision-making to somebody else based on the fact that the somebody else made that decision. It's a shortcut. That's why you go to Amazon and look for reviews. That's why you go to different, like we look for reviews all the time because we are intentionally using shortcuts to discover why something should be done. So use the social proof. But here's, here's the thing inside the social proof. You've got to be able to generate inside your customer's mind curiosity. People like, if you think about yourself, so social proof, but curiosity, if you think about yourself, when you go to, let's say you go to Yahoo, have you noticed that if you look at the little headlines and pictures and stuff, they got a little thumbnail picture and a headline. It's all about curiosity. They want you to click on it. And if you click on it, then it does the thing that they want. But they will bombard you, go after you, attack you with all kinds of curiosity because they want you to be curious. People only, it seems like people typically only move once they become curious about a thing. And if you think about it, that's the same thing with you. So you've got to figure out how do you cause Mr. Prospect to become curious? Okay. And you could, I use the social proof and then I would point out like, Hey, this is why, like, are you kind of curious why this is, this is it. I'll take and I'll pull back the curtain and I will take and I will show you why so many people are getting solar or why so many people are getting this product or so many people are getting that product. You will generate, you will use social proof and then help them say, I will help you discover why they're doing it. Now, you don't want to give them the answers. Remember, at this point in the process, you're not trying to close the deal. You're setting an appointment. You're getting an opportunity to sit down with Mr. Prospect because there, there is a system and a strategy that I will share with you on how you work with Mr. Prospect or Mrs. Prospect to be able to close this deal. So primary thing, you've got to pique their, their curiosity. Okay, so now we're going to go off to, looks like we're on step number seven. Step number seven is critical. It's important. It's called the pullback. And here's, here's what the deal is on pullback, okay? Nobody likes to be sold to, okay? People, people love to buy but they hate it when some sales guy or gal 
comes at them with intentions of attacking them to shove something down their throat that they have no interest. This is, I call this sales commission. It, it, when, when you bump into a good old soul that is so heavily focused on what they want and their commission and their success, that they will attack you to the point that you just go, whoa, like I am not interested. And so the way you combat that is you say, you know what? Tell you what, I'll, just, I'll show you the information and then you can make your own decision if this actually would benefit you. You see what I just did? I just, I literally just pulled back and I said, hey, I'm not a salesman. What I am here to do is I, I help do consultations so that I can provide Mr. Prospect or Mrs. Prospect with valuable information. Keep that in mind, valuable information so that you can make your own decision. But once you do a pullback so they do not feel like you're attacking them or causing them to make a decision to buy right then and there, it gives them psychological error so that they can say, oh, well, in that case, I would be willing to check it out. Okay, that's that's a pullback. You've got every almost every single sale or setup or anything like that has a pullback in it. If you don't, if you don't put a pullback in it, um, chances are you're probably going to struggle. Okay, pullback king. You have to put those things in. Okay, now when you take in you, this is so step number eight. This is, this, this plays into kind of like two pieces. One is when you did the pullback, okay, you don't, you don't want to start talking to your customer about product, okay? Customers don't necessarily care about product. What, what will cause a customer to start building trust in you and start believing in you is that you will share with the customer information about the marketplace the marketplace what's going on in solar like people don't realize that the grid when it was designed it was designed to last 50 years the grid is now 70 years old that's why we're seeing rolling brownouts and blackouts like crazy in california hawaii's got the worst grid in the entire nation it's majorly aged i saw power lines that were two feet off the ground when i was there Pointed it out to my wife, thank goodness the power company came out the very next day and started figuring out how to get it off the ground a bit. But they have major, major power outages. And what I what you're trying to do is not saying, you need solar, you need solar, you need solar. Buy my stuff, buy my stuff, buy my stuff. What you're doing is you're coming in and you're providing market data. Information that they would go, wow, that's actually interesting. I didn't know that. Like it helps people like to feel educated about what's going on in the marketplace. There is a big reason for that. Here's, here's what it is. Now, I'm gonna talk, touch on this tomorrow, but I think right now would be an appropriate time to talk about it. If, you, if I asked you, how many, or everybody's listening to this podcast, I said, how many of you would be interested in buying a car right now? You're probably gonna discover only 3% of people are, are gonna raise their hand, okay? Almost nobody's gonna raise their hand, okay? And then I said, well, how many of you would be interested in buying tires? Only about 3% would raise their hand again. And if I said buy a house or buy this, there's only about 3% of the marketplace that are ready to buy, which means that there is a whole lot not ready. There's another 7% that's open to the idea of buying. But if you come at them and present your product, they are not going to be interested because they don't understand the compelling reason why they need the thing. It is your job to provide market data and information so that Mr. Customer 
can then say, ha, holy cow, I actually have a need for that thing. So once, once you, 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 you say, I will share with you this information so that you can make your own decision, you do a pullback, use this word. Does that sound fair? Nobody wants to be the guy or the girl who's not fair. Like if you provide valuable information and you share with the customer under the expectation that they don't buy, they have the choice. And then you say, is that fair? Like, of course, they're going to say that's fair. And once they say that's fair, that is setting you up for the opportunity to book an appointment with Mr. Customer or Mrs. Customer. So there you go. There is number eight. Okay, so number nine. This is, if, if there's anything you listen or you pull out of this so far, I have, I have dropped value bombs on you like crazy. The, these value bombs are significant nuggets. If there's anything that you learn from me on this, you've got to discover how to assume the sell. Okay, if you ask the customer, Mr. Prospect, would you want to buy this thing? They're going to go, no, not, not, not every time, okay? But you're going to increase the probability of making an appointment or making a sale if you assume the sale. You presented a valid information, a valid reason for them to be interested and to check out what you've got. And then once that makes sense, then you assume the sale. Then you pull out your little handy, <coughs> excuse me, handy dandy cap, uh, uh, calendar and you say would this time or this time give them some options like it's it's a it's a binary commitment you say would do you want this or do you want that that way they could say well I want this cool so you you gave them two opportunities the bite that actually works for you and now the question is if it works for them and if they say no neither neither one of those opportunities work for me then you can go into okay so you're still assuming the sale, let's pick a time or, or whatever that would work for you. But you've assumed the sale, therefore they can move forward. Like one, one, thing, one thing that you've got to figure out, you gotta pull out of your presentation or whatever you're doing is resistance. And asking the customer if they want to schedule an appointment, like directly like that, it, it puts resistance into it. Like, because you presented a valid argument and they understood your point where you're coming from, you just assume the sell and say, yes, okay, let's then, let's do, would, would this work or that work? And it allows them to say, okay, I will take this or that. It'll increase, it'll bump up your rates, your, your appointment sets or closing rates substantially more. So here we are, number 10. This is where, this is where you're, you're going to discover what you're made out of of this. So... <clears throat> you're gonna get the equivalent of 8.4 no's before Mr. Prospect says yes. Does that make sense? Like if, if you, you say, hey, you start presenting some information to the, cu the customer and then, <coughs> excuse me, and then you're trying to get like say an appointment, they're like, they're gonna say no. And they're gonna say no until they get more information. This gives you a chance to circle back, to provide more information so that you can get to the next step. And if they're gonna say no again, this gives you a chance to circle back and to provide more information. Mr. Prospect needs more information to be able to make a decision whether or not they want you or, or want to meet with you or whatever. 
So 8.4 times, you're going to have to figure out how to overcome that many no's before you get into a yes. So like, just, just know that that's how the game's played. Just know that every person's going to, on average, is going to tell you no 8.4 times. Whether it's directly or indirectly or however you slice it, somewhere during that conversation, you're going to get the equivalent of about 8.4 no's. Okay? So that's number 10. Just know that. That does not mean stop. That means continue forward till you're successful. Now, you're going to get to a point where either they do it or they don't. Okay? But you have to give them at least 8.4 chances to say yes so that you actually can get an opportunity with, with the prospect. Okay, so number 11. Number 11. You do not... This is, this, is, this is confidence. This is where you step in with confidence. So I, I use things like the power move. You put your, put your hands on your hip. Whatever it is, people do not want to buy from somebody who is weak and does, they, and does not believe in their own stuff. If you don't have confidence that the thing that you have is a cool thing that should be provided to them or they should have access to it, your sales, <coughs> excuse me, your sales are dead. And so I always find a way to present myself in a manner of confidence. That way, Mr. Prospect knows that I believe. So like on my, on my own house, I put solar on my own house. I'm like, hey, Mr. Prospect, like this is a cool thing. I put solar on my house and here's the reason why. And, and I will give them market information on how I was able to support my decision. And this will give you a chance to see it. I'll show you the information then you can make your own decision. But if you step into this week, like you're not going to make sales. There was a, you guys know Tony Robbins, obviously. His mentor was a guy by the name of Jim Rohn. Tony Robbins was 17 years old when he went to, went to work for Jim Rohn. And the only way Jim Rohn was allowing Tony Robbins to work for him is if he went and bought all of his products so that he could be his own testimony that they are in fact good and that uh, Mr. Prospect or Mrs. Prospect should own these products. There's power in that. Now, maybe not every product necessarily fits into this. Like if you're talking about buying a big old industrial building, right? Maybe, <laughs> maybe you don't have to personally buy such an industrial building, but you're probably in such a building. Whatever it is, it helps if you consume the very thing that you are offering to Mr. Prospect. That way that they know that you have confidence, enough confidence in the thing that you would do it. And so that's like absolute certainty, or you could call it that, confidence. But there, there's power positions, the way you display, the way you hold your body. If you take and you got your, your shoulders like slump and you, you don't look confident, you don't believe that what you have or what you're offering Mr. Prospect is valuable, like it's going to show, everybody's going to know. It will be very clear and people will smell on you that you do not believe in the product that you're offering. And as a result, they will go, not interested. I am not going to buy. Okay. That right there, that's the, that's the 11th steps for you to be able to take Mr. Prospect or Mrs. Prospect and get to them to, an appoint, to a point where they could be interested in having an appointment with you so that you can come back and close this opportunity. So what, what we're going to cover 
this is just this is part one of three. So when we go into let me give you a little teaser on part two. Part two, this is all about how how do you sit down with Mrs. Prospect or Mr. Prospect and be able to successfully close the deal. The, the thing about this is making sales is a science. There, it's like it's not you don't you don't go into these things winging it. You don't go in there and just do your best. Like what I'm not saying you don't do your best. What I am saying is, is that there's a strategy to be able to close deals. Like when you play the game of chess or you play the game of checkers, the person with the best strategy and the best moves typically tends to win. You like you can take a novice and tell a novice to go out and to play chess and checkers, and they're gonna get killed next to a master. What you gotta do is discuss you gotta become a master to be able to guide people scientifically with actual step-by-step processes on how to move the prospect from point A to point B so that that individual is willing to buy. That is the that was the science. That is the thing that I discovered. That's the thing I discovered after going to seminars. That's what I discovered after reading book after book after book after book. That's what I discovered in meeting with prospects over and over and over and seeing people not buy and then wondering how do I increase probability of, su- of success to the point that when I go meet with a prospect now, if they don't buy, like I'm butthurt. I'm butthurt because I did not do a good enough job getting the prospect to the point where they could actually make the decision, the logical decision, like emotional, a logical, and then I introduced some scarcity and fear in there, and I will share that in the next section to get the prospect to move forward. Okay, it's a science; it's not guesswork. You you nail this stuff. You nail closing. You nail making sales. You nail growing your business. Like you nail it. So anyway, tomorrow part two of three. I will go through it. I will show you how to close the deal with the customer. Okay, this is a Rags the Riches Secrets podcast. Hope you enjoyed that, and I will see you tomorrow.